Perceptions podcast. Hey, John Dixon here. Even after making our recent episode on euthanasia the longest episode yet, we had some stuff we just couldn't fit in. I asked our guests, Baroness Elora Finlay and Professor Melanie Lovell, what euthanasia does to the doctor-patient relationship. And their answers were fascinating. So just for our Plus subscribers, here's what they said, starting with Melanie Lovell. Do you think legalising euthanasia changes the patient-doctor relationship? Yeah, such an important question. And uh, yes, so there's a couple of levels at which to answer that. One is at the societal level. So we did see um, when the Northern Territory had uh, euthanasia legislation that the um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people stayed away. You know, they already felt, um, you know, threatened and vulnerable um, and did not trust the healthcare system. And now we've got a healthcare system that kills people. Um, the experience in uh, other culturally and linguistically diverse populations is the same, that they feel more vulnerable and will stay away from healthcare systems, which is just, a you know, a terrible outcome. Um, there are other groups, uh, people with disabilities, people um, who are elderly and already feel like a burden who can feel much more vulnerable and untrusting of healthcare pr practitioners. Uh, in terms of palliative care, it's an issue because people already, I think a lot of people have a misunderstanding about palliative care that, that we hasten death. In fact, the evidence in time and time again is that people who have good symptom control live longer. <laughs> um, and so, you know, palliative care is definitely not about hastening death. And so... Yeah, it's not as simple as, oh, let's double the morphine. You know, it's never like that, is no, it? No, exactly, exactly. So there is a risk that there'll be further mistrust in palliative care. Um, and so there's a real need to dissociate palliative care and voluntary assisted dying. Uh, yes, that people who are, have terminal illness need to be able to access the best of palliative care, but palliative care must never be involved in actually delivering voluntary assisted dying. And then there's at the individual level. Um, trust is so key to, um, to us actually being of any use. You know, if you don't trust your doctor, you're never going to actually be able to collaborate to, to, for a good outcome for the person who's a patient. So it's the doctor-patient relationship. I think um, my, some of my colleagues have observed in Victoria where it's already happening that there's a, there's a kind of, the elephant in the room's got bigger um, and they really feel that there's a, there's a risk of misunderstanding. So communication skills are really important. Um, I, I think that my for my patients to be able to trust me enables us to have a really good working relationship and achieve the goals that the patient have with without it and i i don't know yet how it's going to impact my relationship with my patients um but but any redu reduction in trust is a serious issue baroness finley how does euthanasia change the medical community itself well, uh, what's interesting is looking at those countries where they've changed the law, um, some people who had previously been in favour are saying, no, we've gone too far. This is this is too much now. Uh, we are we know of doctors who are burnt out uh, from they say, I, I can't bear to do another euthanasia. 
Um, some who feel haunted by those who who they whose lives they have ended. And the other thing which I find very worrying are the doctors who say, oh, well, uh, the first one was difficult. Uh, the second one was a bit easier, uh, but then it became very easy. And they are um, the routinization of ending life uh, is such that they they've switched off. Uh, they've almost become automatons. And, and I think it's a bit like you see soldiers in the battlefield um, who fight and kill people. Um, but it's much later on that they realize that actually they'd been emotionally completely closed down during the process. Um, and the other thing, of course, that we are seeing in some places is that patients uh, are distrustful uh, of doctors because they're worried that they're going to be offered euthanasia too early. Um, and uh, the the campaigners say that there is, uh, you know, no evidence that there's less trust. But then you have to look at, at, at the societies in which these kind of broad polls are taken and the questions used and so on, and they're not very meaningful. Um, but when you look at the individual doctors, um, I worry that they just feel that they feel burnt out, destroyed, emotionally wrung out. Um, and you also have to think, well, what's the effect on, on the other staff in a service? We're talking about the doctors, but what about the nurses? What about the physios and the OTs who are going in, trying to help somebody, setting goals? All of those are abandoned. You know, well, first, I, I heard of a case w which worried me where actually the doctor said, well, there's not much point doing, about, doing much about their vomiting because they're due for euthanasia on Friday. Well, you know, that kind of attitude is is very subtle, very pervasive, but it undermines the basic ethos of medicine and why we went into medicine. So I think it is extremely dangerous. And as I've said before, I don't think this is a job for doctors. I don't think the assessment should be done by doctors. And I don't think that the whole process, it should be completely outside medicine. If that's what society wants, then society organises it, takes responsibility, but don't make it a medical duty because you've got too many mixed messages. Well, I'm glad we captured those three minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> thank you so much. Okay, thank you so much. An Undeceptions podcast.